There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Make our confession of faith together because I'm unconditionally loved by God and at harvest. I come to God as I am, but through today's life giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, remain standing. I want you to go to one quick scripture we're going to look at Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Verse 15, we're in this series, Superheroes, which says, as he is, so are we. That's what the Bible says, and he is divine. So we're unlocking our divinity. Whatever he is, we are supposed to be in the earth, which means you are the only Jesus some people are ever going to interact with. As he is, so are we in this world. Whatever he is and whatever he manifested, we are supposed to be in the earth. And so last week we started dealing with the concept of the necessity of an enemy. And so today I want to show you how to do something. I'm going to teach you how to catch and conquer your individual enemies. Because how many people, let's be honest, we got some individual enemies and we, 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 we need to conquer those things. And let's be honest, sometimes we think we know what the enemy is, but we don't know what the enemy is. So we need to go catch that enemy so that we can conquer that enemy. Just say your name. Say you're more than a conqueror. Song of Solomon 2.15. Catch us the foxes. Say I got to catch them. If you got to catch them, that means they're trying to evade you. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes. So they're not big things, they're small things. Sometimes it's not that you're uh, doing wrong, it's that you're not doing enough of what's right. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that do what? Spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Say, I got to catch a fox today. Say, there's three foxes I'm catching today. Say, they're little foxes, but they've been ruining things. They've been spoiling things. They've been messing things up. But that ends today. Watch this. He says, for our vines have tender grapes. Tender grapes means they're ready to be harvested. Watch this. In other words, he says, the little foxes, they really start wreaking havoc when it's breakthrough time. They really start wreaking havoc when great things are getting ready to manifest in our lives because they can sense that something is already moving and happening for us that we can't sense ourselves. Say, catch us the foxes. 
the little foxes. Say, I'm going hunting. I'm going fishing. I'm going to catch them today. Father, in the name of Jesus, customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people, that we would move and walk in the great things that you have ordained. Today, give us the grace to hear this word, how to catch and conquer our individual enemies so that we can be everything that you've ordained for us to be. And we thank you that it is so now. In Jesus' name, I'm speaking to conquerors. I'm speaking to history makers. I'm speaking to curse breakers. I'm speaking to world changers. I'm speaking to folk where we've all made some mistakes, but we're not stuck in our mistakes. We've all had some failures, but we're not stuck in our failures. In fact, we declare we're in our banner year. That means our best year yet, marked by significant accomplishment and achievement. We decree and declare that we're evolving. That means we're becoming a better version of ourselves from the inferior to the superior, from the lower to the greater. And we thank you that it is so in Jesus' name. Somebody shout help. Hallelujah. As you take your seats, just have to have somebody say, you're going to catch him today. You're going to catch him today. Yes, you are going to catch him today. Matter of fact, I think there's a few people on your road that say, Bishop, I'm sick and tired about being sick and tired about some stuff that's been happening in my life. And here's the tip about it. Great things can be happening in one area of your life, and then in another area, you can have foxes wreaking havoc. You can have great things happening in your career, but crazy things happening in your family. You can have greatness over here, but you can have mess over there. Well, I came to speak it into your life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's the Greek word zoe, which means your life is overflowing. It doesn't mean you don't don't have challenges it just means when you see them that you conquer them in this series superheroes we've been unlocking our divinity because first john 4 17 says that as he is you finish it so are we in this world and when we understand how he is and what he does we see how we must be and what we must do and we looked at the bible and how it says that jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and this revealed to us a powerful principle that our enemies are necessary say my enemies are necessary uh, and so we learned that our enemies are necessary for two things we learned last week. Number one, enemies are necessary for fuel. In Numbers chapter 14, God's people, the children of Israel, they were getting ready to possess the promised land. And before they did that, they sent out 12 spies. And 10 of those spies came back with a negative report and said, we cannot take the land because there's enemies there. There are giants there. And they said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we became in, our, uh, and so we became in their sight, which taught us that our enemies see us as we see ourselves. Now, this is powerful. Uh, now, then Joshua and Caleb, who were the two that had a good report, here's what uh, they begin to record in verse number nine. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Check it out. Ten of them saw the enemy as the end point, but two of them saw the enemy as an evolution point. Ten of them saw the enemy as the end, but two of them saw the enemy as the beginning. Watch this. Ten of them said the enemy is going to starve us, but then two of them said the enemy is going to feed us. Which means we can both be looking at the same thing but see two different things. It ain't about what it is. It's about how you see it. Touch your neighbor and say, how do you see your enemies? Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land for they are our bread. And so last week I taught you that whenever you see an enemy, it's time to eat. And I think your neighbor, while they're shouting and smiling in church, that you'd be told if they could tell you what they've been going through. They've got some enemies and an enemy is anything that opposes their forward progress. But you ought to tell them, say, it's time to eat. Yeah, whenever somebody's talking about you, don't you get depressed, it's time to eat. Whenever you run into financial trouble, don't you dare get depressed and stop coming to church, it's time to eat. Whenever there's family trouble, it's time to eat. Whenever there's marriage trouble, it's time to eat. Whenever your children start acting in a way you didn't raise them, it's time to eat. 
So he says, only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Bread, in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament, means our food, our fruit, our loaf, our meatloaf, our bread. And all food does is food fuels us so that an enemy is our fuel. If you're honest, watch this. If you've ever had an enemy come against you, you ever notice how fired up you got? Did you ever notice how lazy you were when there was no enemy, but when an enemy showed up, you got fueled up? Let me prove it to you. Uh, watch this. Have you ever noticed? Uh, watch this. Watch this. I know no married couples know about this, so I'm talking about some other married couple that you know that goes to some other church. Uh, watch this. Where uh, As long as they thought that everything was okay, everything was good, they were kind of passive with their relationship until they thought that somebody was else was trying to creep up in. Then all of a sudden they upped their game. Okay, maybe that's a little too real for you. Uh, you, you were kind of average on your job until they hired somebody new that started out performing you. And then now all of a sudden it fired you up. The truth be told is that our enemies fuel us to do what we would not have done except they were present. Which is why God says sometimes to get you to up your game, I'll send an enemy so that you get some fuel so that you change. But then secondly, enemies are necessary for focus. Psalm 23.5, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Psalm 23.5, watch this. You prepare. Say prepare. prepare. That word in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament, it means you arrange, which means God says when an enemy shows up, I'm starting to arrange things. An enemy does not mean, watch this, that things are about to fall apart. It means things are about to come together. You didn't hear what I just said. When an enemy shows up, what is that, Bishop? Anything that opposes your forward progress. It means God is arranging things. And it doesn't make sense to you only because you don't understand how God does things. God plays chess with himself. So he may make a move that looks like the move was against you. But what you didn't know is he was setting up so that the move would benefit you. That's why the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that he makes all things work together for our good. Which means the good, the bad, and the ugly is really being arranged in my favor. Would you just holler it's being arranged? Yeah, I know it looks like that co-worker was trying to set you up, but God says, I'm just arranging this thing so that you end up taking their job. Y'all not saying nothing. I know it looks like things weren't working together for you, but I'm arranging it for your good. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Prepare. It means to arrange, but then that word prepare also means to make me an expert in war. So watch this. You make me an expert in war in the presence of my enemies. Watch this. Uh, if you study the scriptures, you'll understand that God would always make promises to his people and say, now you got to go fight to get it, but you're going to get it. But you have to fight. Say, I have to fight. The issue your neighbor used to have is they just wanted stuff to come to them. They were waiting on a boat to come in. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to walk out there on that water and go snatch that boat and bring it to you yourself. Joshua, he says, Joshua, the land is yours, but you're going to have to kill some kings in order to take it. He told his children of Israel, he said, listen, the land is yours, but you're going to have to go conquer some enemies to take it. So he says, you prepare a table before me. You make me an expert at war in the presence of my enemies. Watch this. How are you a conqueror if you never face a challenge? How are you a gladiator if you've never had something to come against you? How is it that you'll be the head and not the tail if you've never been in a situation where you've been the tail? Because how do you know the difference between heads and tails? You're still here. Now, I says that word enemies in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament. I always give that to you because the scripture is so wonderful. And when you go from Hebrew to English on average, you lose about two words. Greek to English on average, you lose about three. And so I always give you those words so you can understand what's really being said. Now, watch this. Enemies, it means, watch this, be in affliction. 
to besiege, to bind up, to be in distress, and be in a tight place. That's good. You were just rolling with me. To be in affliction, to besiege, to bind up, to be in distress, or be in a tight place. Anybody ever been in affliction? Anybody ever been besieged? That's when folks and situations run up on you and catch you off guard. Matter of fact, I think if your neighbor's honest, they've had some stuff over the last few months that you got phone calls that caught them off guard. They got text messages that where the real people at that caught them off guard. They had stuff happen to them that caught them off guard. That's what it means to be besieged, to bind up or be in distress or a tight place. Whenever you experience those things, God is inviting you to focus and God is inviting you to fuel. Because you need fuel for focus. So what good is focus if you have no fuel? But what good is fuel if you do not have focus? Are you here, church? And if you remember, if you ever looked at superhero shows in pop culture, when they were in affliction, it was basically the same show every single time, just a different enemy. But you knew what was going to happen. They're going to have this scene that starts out. Then all of a sudden, as they're going into that, the enemy's going to start doing what their enemy does. And now the superhero shows up on the scene to fix it. But then it looks like the superhero's going to lose. They get, watch this, afflicted, besieged, bound up, in distress, or in a tight place. And you already knew, well, it's only five minutes left in the show, so something's getting ready to turn. I just want to speak it into somebody's life. It's only a few more minutes left in that enemy's time it has in your life. The thing's getting ready to turn in your favor. I need to prophesy to somebody. Somebody holler, it's turning in my favor. You already knew what was getting ready to happen because all you had to do is keep watching all the way to the end. Somebody say, I'm watching all the way to the end. Think about it. When they were besieged, afflicted, bound up, in distress, or in a tight place, that's when they got creative. That's when they became innovative. And that's when they figured out how to beat their enemies. So then your enemies focus you. And I said this to you last week, that fuel and focus go together like hand and glove. Say fuel, fuel. And, focus and focus go together like hand, like hand. And, glove. and glove. You need them both together. See, watch this. Uh, 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 an enemy, generically speaking, is anything that opposes your forward progress. And we looked at those two principles together in the life of a woman named Hannah. But I need you to catch the principle. Your enemies give you fuel and focus, which means without an enemy, you aren't fueled and you aren't focused. Because outside of an enemy, what is it that you're actually doing? No, I need you to catch this. I need you to catch this. I need you to catch this. That's why the scripture, and we looked at this on Wednesday. You got to go back and get Sunday's message and Wednesday's message. That's why the scripture, we looked at this, how the scripture says in Isaiah 45, God says, I create the light and the darkness. I create good and evil because God says, I know what you need to provoke you to be everything I need you to be. And without an enemy, you won't do it. You'll, you'll resort to comfort opposed to a challenge. Y'all not saying nothing to me today. So you need fuel and focus because think of fuel. It's like having a beautiful car that's got gas, but you don't know where you're going. So who, what matters that you have fuel? But then if you don't have focus, watch this. It doesn't really matter that you've got fuel. And if you've got focus, it doesn't matter if you don't have both of these things together. Say they work together. Say I need them both. So check it out. What you need to defeat your enemy comes from your enemy. So if you keep saying, God, get me out of the valley, God says, but what you need to get out of the valley, you're not going to get because it comes from the valley. If you keep saying to God, God, get me out of this mess. Well, if he gets you out of the mess, watch this, what you need to get yourself out of the mess, you're not going to get because your enemy gives you fuel and focus. So what I need to defeat them actually comes from them. Which means you got to stop praying safe prayers. 
Lord, just let every problem go away. Why? Then you're not going to have any fuel and you're not going to have any focus. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Lord, just can I just have one good day with no issue? Why? Because then you won't have any fuel and you're not going to have any focus. Instead, you need to say, fee fa fo fa woe unto anybody that gets in my way. I got up this morning and this is the day that the Lord has made and I shall rejoice be made glad in it. Whatever comes my way, I got this because I need some fuel and I need some focus but we like to pray safe prayers and we see this happen even in the life of this woman named Hannah that we looked at last week Hannah her name means God has favored me favor is preferential treatment and she lives a paradoxical life because although she's favored by God, she's constantly and severely provoked by her enemy and her rival named Penina because she had no children because the Lord closed her womb. And in the Jewish culture, women uh, needed children because women, uh, children were the crowning glory of a Jewish woman. So no children meant no glory, no glory meant no worth. But check it out, church, it was the Lord that closed her womb. Not because of anything, watch this, she did but because the Lord knew that she need a Penina so that he could get a Samuel. Now, if these names are confusing, y'all make it make more sense in just a minute. You got to go back and get the messages. Say the Lord closed her womb. Now, watch this. That meant at one point her womb was open, but then the Lord shut it down because he said, you're not going to change unless I shut that down. See, people change when they learn enough that they want to or hurt enough that they have to. And sometimes God says, listen, I'll give you a Penina because it's the only thing that's going to make you pursue purpose. I'll give you an enemy because it's the only thing that's going to make you evolve. Let's just be honest. We keep doing what we were doing except we had an enemy that forced us to evolve. You keep treating people the way you used to treat them except that you ran into an enemy. You keep doing life the way you used to do it except there was an enemy. You be in the clubs right now unless you had some enemies. You be smoking right now unless you had some enemies. And even if you are, I'm so glad that there's goodness and grace and mercy that'll pick you up and turn you around and put your feet on solid ground. Touch your neighbor and say, you need an enemy. Watch this, watch this, watch this. She needed an enemy. She's provoked by her. The Lord closes her womb. And we learn this powerful principle that maybe your circumstances won't change because they're designed by God to change you. Whatever cannot be prayed away may have been God sent. I'm going to say it again. Whatever cannot be prayed away may have been God sent. Why, Bishop? Because this provocation went on for years, the Bible says. And I can't imagine being Hannah going through mess year after year after year after year for the same thing. But let's look at our lives. Can we be honest? There are areas of our lives where year after year after year, it's the same thing. You got a different haircut, same drama. Got a new suit, same drama. Got some new tennis shoes, same drama. Got a new car, same drama. But today. But today. In case y'all wondering why they're hollering back at me, sometimes you got to just announce over your old life, this is the day that that is. Sometimes you got to get enough fire on the inside, enough fuel and focus on the inside of you to say, I'm not waiting until next week. I'm not waiting until next month. It's got to happen today. So it goes on for years. It goes on for years. It goes on for years. Until Hannah was finally fueled and focused by Penina. And Penina's name, who was her enemy, her name means jewel, which teaches us something, that your enemies are valuable. Say, my enemies are valuable. So check it out. She's a jewel, which means valuable. So then that means if you ask for a life with no enemies, you're asking for a life with no value. 
I'm going to say it again. If you're asking for a life with no enemies, you're asking for a life with no value because Penina brought value to Hannah that Hannah didn't have outside of Penina. Your enemy is valuable because in their opposition to you rests what God knows it'll take to get you to change. Because the Bible says that once Hannah had enough, that Hannah pours out her soul to God. But it took years for her to finally give God her soul. And the Bible says that she went to church when she was supposed to, which means you can come to church and still not change because you are not letting Penina do her job. It's real quiet right through there. Uh, she went up to the house of the Lord year after year after year, the scripture says. And finally, one day, and I think for somebody under the sound of my voice, today is your finally. Today is your changing point. Watch this. It is not that things aren't working for your favor. It's not that some good stuff's not happening in your life. But can we all be honest? We sometimes have Hannah areas. Hannah had all this other stuff, but this one area, she said, I'm sick and tired of this area being this way. This is going well. This is going well. This is going well. But I need some results in this area. So watch this, watch this, watch this. It makes her, it makes her, it provokes her. She, she says, I basically had enough. The Bible says she pours out her soul to God, her soul, her mind, her thoughts, her will, and her emotions. So it was her enemy, watch this church, that made her give everything to God, not her victory. Her enemies made her give everything to God, not her victories. Which means when you see an enemy, that means God is trying to get something from you. Say he wants something from me. And what he wants from you is you. She poured out her soul, her mind, her thoughts, her will, her emotions. Because let's be honest, we are all control freaks. Especially those of you who say, I just go with the flow. I discovered you are the most controlling. Because watch this, your idea of I just go with the flow means, watch this, I want to be in so much control, I don't want to have a plan, so I control the lack of a plan. You'll criticize people that plan not realizing you're even more controlling because you don't want to plan so you can control nothing. Did you catch that? I just go with the flow. No, you're a control freak. You don't want to plan because then you'll have to be responsible for results. I know. Are you here, church? Watch this, watch this, watch this. But what do you mean we're control freaks? Because Hannah finally poured out her soul. She was going to church. She was giving, she was doing all those things, but she never gave God all of her soul, her mind, thoughts, will, and emotions until Penina provoked her to the point of doing it, which means, watch this, it was her enemy that made her give God everything, not her victories, which means when you see an enemy, God says, I want more of you. Give me your soul. Say, give him my soul. Now say, say it like you mean it. Say, I'm going to give him my soul. Say, you don't even say it like you mean it. Say, I'm going to give him my soul. In the old church, if you came up in the old church, they say, God wants a yes. Give him a yes. I think some people on your road say, I'm tired of giving them no. No ain't working. Today and from this day forward, I'm going to give them a yes. But a yes in my mind, my thoughts, my will, my emotions. Because when we try to hold on to stuff and keep it from God, what we're saying, what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you with this. Let me hold it. You don't know what you're doing with it. I don't trust you with it because my daddy let me down. I don't trust you with it because my mama let me down. I don't trust you with it because somebody I love left me. I don't trust you with it. So let me hold on to this. I'll come to church. I'll give. I'll do this. I'll do that. But let me hold on to all of this. But thank God for Penina. I said thank God for Penina. You ought to thank God for your Peninas. 
Because Hannah then prays a specific prayer, and that specific prayer, she asked the Lord for a male child whose name would be called Samuel. She would have never prayed that prayer had Penina not been present. What changes would you never have made had you not had an enemy? She prays for Samuel, and when Samuel is born, watch this, uh, Samuel now becomes a, a great prophet, a great man of God. Check this out. But if there's no Samuel, there's no Saul, who was the first king of Israel. If there's no Saul, then there's no David. If there's no David, then there's no Jesus. So then we see that the significance of what Hannah was dealing with outdated her. What you're facing right now, I know you're caught up in trying to have a great 2017, but I need to tell you, what you're facing right now is going to outdate you. Because what you're doing right now is going to set your children up and set your nieces and nephews up and, and set some, y'all not saying nothing. You're doing something for your bloodline. Can I just remind you real quick of who you are? You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You are the history maker in your bloodline. When you were born, something great was born. Somebody holler, I believe that. So watch this. We see Penina as a general. As a general enemy, general, generalization, a general enemy, anything that opposes your forward progress, a noun, people, places, things, and idea, ideas rather that oppose your forward progress. But I call today's message to catch and conquer your individual enemies. Say, Bishop, why do you say catch? The text reveals it, Song of Solomon 2.15. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Now, fox is a noun, refers to the carnivorous mammal that's got a pointed muzzle and a bushy tail, known for being cunning. But the wisdom hidden in this verse from King Solomon is revealed when fox is used as a verb because it means to baffle or to deceive someone and to be cunning. And to be cunning means to achieve your desire through deceit, evasion, watch this, but then to be attractive. I said a mouthful, so I'm going to back it up. Back it up, rewind. Here it is. Fox as a noun refers to the little animal. Oh. Known for being cunning. But the wisdom is hidden in the verse when you use fox as a verb. Because a verb, fox, watch this, it means to baffle or to deceive someone. <laughs> to be cunning. Say cunning. That means to achieve its desire through deceit and evasion. But watch this. It's attractive to me. Say it again. It's deceiving me. It's evading me. But I'm drawn to it. So the thing that's killing me is the thing I run to. The thing that's ruining me is the thing I want around. The thing that's creating trouble for me is the thing I let come in my house. Y'all not saying nothing. And you're supposed to go catch it, not sit there and pet it. I'm going to say it again because I think you need to get it. See, the strength of the individual enemies we confront are in that our enemies evade us because they're things that we're attracted to or drawn to so we can never evolve because we won't even consider that it could be an enemy because we're drawn to it. This person couldn't possibly be my enemy. I like them. This couldn't possibly be my enemy. I'm drawn to it. I'm attracted to it. So it couldn't possibly be my enemy. But I think we've all had experiences in life where if we look back over it, we were like, how in the world did I miss that? You know why? Because you weren't trying to catch and conquer the fox. You took the fox in and started petting the fox. It evaded you so you could never evolve because the very thing that was your enemy, you were attracted to. Come here, Samson. 
You know Samson, don't you? You know Samson. Uh, you know Samson. Samson, Samson. Samson was this strong, mighty man. He's a mighty man. He was a Zeus-type brother. You know, he's just on swole all the time. He's just on swole all the time. And, and, and when he was on swole all the time, he, he's just one of them kind of guys. He's on swole all the time. His problem is his enemy, watch this, was in his inability to pick at his level. He was a chief, but he dated Indians. Okay, uh, maybe that's too real. Let's see. Okay, can I just teach you the principle for a second? So, so he's strength, but he gets all of these weak women that that cannot appreciate nor invest in the mag, uh, magnanimity of a man that he is. And so now he's got to spend his time fighting them to only come home to fight her. Okay, and so. And so, and so now, and so now his first, his first wife was a Philistine and the Philistine means a divider, which means watch this. Uh, she, her goal was to divide him and conquer him. And, uh, and so the reality is that was a bad pick. Second girl, he was a girl that she met around the way. She was a round the way girl. She had bamboo earrings, at least two pair. Y'all not saying nothing. And the Bible actually calls her a little something else. The Bible says that she was a harlot. Uh, the Bible says that um, she was well known for her practices, and uh, and that's what the Bible says about her. And so and so for that time, watch this. The first relationship, watch this. I'm helping somebody. I don't know who it is. The first relationship, he thought something good could happen from a bad place. Mm -hmm. He thought that he was going to get some value out of somebody that didn't recognize value. He thought, watch this, he could love down and still get up in his relationship. And so... Okay, and then he gets with this second girl. This was only physical for Samson. He, the Bible just says he went into her and then he left. So he was like, this is just physical. He says, I don't want to get all in my emotions because the last time I got in my emotions, I just got all tied up, twisted up, made up. This ain't nothing but physical. But then that third girl, ooh, that third one. You know the third one because her name was Delilah. And Delilah's name in Hebrew means to weaken or to make poor. Check it out. He was attracted to what made him weak and to what made him broke. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Okay. He was attracted to what made him weak and what made him poor. Why? Because he didn't know how to catch the little foxes. Ooh, but today, I just think somebody on your row is going to go catch some little foxes today. Say, I'm catching them today. So he's drawn to Delilah. And he sees all of the signs he needs to see. She keeps trying to, Samson, tell me where your strength comes from. Tell me where your strength comes from. And he keeps, he keeps saying, listen, it's this, is this. He makes up stuff. You already know it's over when you have to lie because you don't want to tell them the truth because you don't trust them with the truth. I'm just throwing this out there for free. Let me just, uh, and so he keeps having to, well, you know, who are you talking to? Oh, no one. Okay, let me stay out of that. Okay, let me stay out of that. Let me stay out of that. Let me stay out of that. Let me say out of that. Let me say out of that. And so, and so he keeps making up things. He says, where's the source of your strength? Which is an interesting question because as a man, I'd wonder why Samson, why you didn't ask her why you won't know? Like, why is that what we're talking about? Like, why are we talking about something else? Why do you want to know where my strength is? Shouldn't you just be concerned about supporting it? Why are you trying to figure out how to take it away? Why are you so infatuated with my weaknesses? Okay, all right, watch this. He says, she says, tell me where your strength is. Uh, watch this. And what you can be bound, put the verse up, and what you can be bound with, thank you, to afflict you. She says, tell me what needs to happen to you to afflict you. Okay, for those of you who don't know, if somebody asks you that type of question, that's Delilah. And when you see crazy coming, cross the street. 
what's crazy about it. She keeps doing this, but the Bible says she wears him down. Check it out, because watch this. Our individual enemies, they evade us. He never got it. So she wears him down, and as she wears him down, what ends up happening, check it out, is that she finally gets him. She invites the Philistines in. They bind him up, and they plunk, plunk out his eye. I mean, they just, they let him have it. And then they make him nothing more than a spectacle. They said, look at the man he used to be until he met her. Look at who he used to be until an enemy did him in. Oh, it's real quiet right here. It's, it's real quiet right here. Look at who they used to be until they, watch this, allowed their enemies to evade them. Are you catching the principle, church? So I'm going to give it to you again. The strength of the individual enemies we confront are in that our enemies evade us because they're things that we're drawn to. See, Delilah was an enemy for, her, for him, but he was drawn to her. So he could not see what she really was because it was what he was drawn to. Let me say it another way. It was difficult to see his error because in his error was his pleasure. So you may know getting that bottle is not what you need to do when you're going through something, but in that gives you a temporary escape of pleasure, but it is also the thing that's your enemy. And I'm not beating you up. I'm just trying to give you an example. You already know calling that person is not what you need to do, but in calling them, it gives you pleasure because it helps you to now avoid dealing with reality. So even though it's your enemy and you know that, you'll still pick up the phone and say, what you doing? I'm just giving analogies. Am I helping anybody today? Watch this. So little foxes, what do they do? They spoil the vine. That means they diminish or destroy the value or the quality of connection between the soil and the fruit on the vine. And vines are climbing plants that can grow quickly and can climb any obstacle set before it and adjust to it and get over it. But little foxes spoil the vines when they have tender grapes, which means when they're ripe or ready for harvest. Your individual enemies, hear me, church, manifest in the most significant ways when it's harvest time in your life. When it's time to reap, when opportunity comes your way, when it's breakthrough time. And here's what you need to know. Every one of our individual enemies, which is any noun that can oppose our forward progress, they all fall into one of three categories. And then we're going to ride home together. Y'all ready? Say, so what are those three categories, Bishop? Talk to me like an army. Say, so what are those three categories, Bishop? Uh, now, I need you to catch this. Penina is a generalization of an enemy. An enemy generally is anything that opposes your forward progress. But we all have specific enemies. Got it? Individual enemies. See, for somebody, sugar is their enemy. For somebody, they see a dessert and they're like, no big deal. You're catching the principle. See, your enemies, watch this, have been tailor-made, watch this, to be what you're attracted to. But it's also what evades you. So you never catch it. So then watch this, you become comfortable living with the enemy which comes from the inner me. See, sometimes the greatest enemy you face isn't the devil. Sometimes the greatest enemy you face is the person that you look at every single day, the person you spend the most time with, the person that you're around the most. But today. But today. So here, they fall in one of three categories. So watch this. Uh, foxes, you typically would hunt for them, but that's okay. You'll catch the analogy. We're going to go fishing, which is still a form of hunting. Yes, very good. He gives me all the wonderful sound effects. I didn't have these at 915. This is great. Say, so let's go fishing, Bishop. Let's go hunting. So let's go catch a fox. A water fox. 
you'll remember it. It's called cross training. Let's see. Wait a minute. It's, tr it's trying to avoid me. Uh, it's evading me. Hold on. Hold no, this is really evading me. There it goes. Got it. Say, what's the first category, Bishop? Average. Average is the first category. Say, my individual enemies fall in one of three categories. The first is average. Now, now check this out. A, a average means a level typical of a group, class, or series. In other words, it's what everyone else does because it's what they see everyone else do. An average isn't worth much. Think about it. A brand name cola is worth more than a no-name cola. Nothing average is ever celebrated. That's why we have championships. That's why we have playoffs. Why? We need to find the best. And I'm going to tell you, God's desire is for every area of your life to be the best, not to be average. It's God's desire for every of your area of your life to excel, not to be average. Average isn't hot nor cold. It's a mixture, which means it's lukewarm. Who likes lukewarm showers? Most of us don't. But maybe that's your thing. Okay? So let me ask you this. Who wants their dishes washed in lukewarm water? No, that's disgusting. That's why Revelation 3.16 says God vomits out the lukewarm. In other words, God says, I vomit out the average. Because let me ask you this question. What's average about our God? As he is, so are we in this world. So we shouldn't be average Christians. We shouldn't be average people. We shouldn't be average servants. Okay, it's not okay in your life. And that's a fox that's been messing with your life, messing with your results. What opportunities have you missed because you were average? What doors shut because you were average? What couldn't manifest for you because you were average? That's why Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. What's that way that seems right? The average way. When we become Christians, average is now our enemy. Say average is my enemy. We should have and be the best in every way possible. We should produce the best and be the best in every way possible. That's why Exodus 19.5 uh, says this. Now, therefore, if you'll obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, you shall be a peculiar treasure or an excellent treasure or a non-average treasure unto me above all people. In other words, God says, when I look at you, I want to see something that is above average. And when people look at you, I want them to see something that's above average. Such your neighbor say, average is your enemy. Which means on your job, you ought to be the best. They ought to say to you, everybody else puts half work in, but you, you're excellent. At church, you ought to be the best. Whatever you do, you ought to be the best at what you do. And stop saying, I can't be the best because I don't have the best. People that are excellent will take a bad hand and learn how to play it well. They'll take peanut butter and jelly and learn how to turn it into something great. Average is your enemy. How do I conquer average, Bishop? Watch this. It's called discomfort. It's called change. Comfort and change can't coexist. Comfort, C, change can't coexist. You notice all them C's? That's a C average, and C's are average, and you're not supposed to be average. Watch this. What's the enemy of a great marriage? An average one. An average one is the enemy. Watch this. Because it's not hot. It's not cold. We just married. Well, who? I was, excuse me, fifth Sunday. I was about to say something. Who wants to spend your life lukewarm? It's quiet in the church. Who, who, well, who wants to be an average employee? Let's celebrate all of the wonderful, great uh, A-plus employees, and, and let's give a great hand to all of these employees who did nothing but meet quota and get, get, get back from lunch late, never follow nothing they're told to do. Let's celebrate them. They don't get celebrated. They get fired. What areas has God had to fire you because you performed average? 
Let's all be honest. We've all had some areas. But here's the good news. When we got up this morning, we got another dose of grace and we got another dose of mercy. And grace is when he gives us good stuff we don't deserve. And mercy is when he blocks negative stuff that we do deserve. Somebody say, average is my enemy. Don't settle for an average marriage. Don't settle for average kids. Don't settle for an average life. Don't settle for average finances. I don't care what your mama and them did. I don't care what your daddy and them did. Stop settling for average. Number two, here's the second area. Say, what's the second area, Bishop? Let's go fishing again to catch that water, Fox. There it goes. I don't want to throw it back because it might get caught. So I ain't going to throw it back. But we're fishing. It's evading me. It's evading me. Wait a minute. Let me blame my mama. Let me blame my daddy because he wasn't there. Let me blame my cousin. Wait a minute. I, I don't even think that's the enemy over there. I think the, it's God that's my enemy. It's, it's, it's somebody else. It's my coworkers that's my enemy. Say they'll evade you if you let them. Here it is, though. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here. You, you better look. Get on this. You. Got it. Touch your neighbor said it takes time sometimes. Sometimes to conquer your enemies, it's going to take a little time. Here's the second enemy. Here's the second enemy. All of our individual enemies fall in these one of three categories. Here's the second one. Assumptions. Say assumptions. Now y'all come fix this thing so that when I catch this next one, that is nice and straight. It don't want no problems with me. Now, watch this. Say assumptions. Assumptions are what you suppose to be the case without proof. What if Peter had assumed that he wasn't going to be able to walk on water with Jesus? Okay. Jesus walking on the water. He's walking toward the boat. When he's walking toward the boat, the rest of the disciples are there. The 12 ruling disciples, the bishops, they're there. And uh, while they're there, Peter's like, hey, Jesus? Watch what he says. Lord, if it's you, Lord, if it's you. Lord, if it's you. That's like looking at somebody and saying, is that you? Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. What does Jesus say? Come on. What if Peter had assumed that's not Jesus? And even if it was, how am I going to get to him? I can't do it, so let me not even ask. Assumptions rob you before you ever get started, which means your assumptions have robbed more from you than your failures have. They'll never forgive me. I'll never get another chance at this. I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to conquer this. I, I just assume. But the problem is when you assume, assumption is the lowest form of intelligence just above stupidity. Life improves by choice, not by chance. And assumptions choose not to ask and not to try. So you know what we got to do to catch and conquer assumptions? We have to choose to ask and not assume. We have to choose to try and not turn down. Somebody say, I choose to do that. Think, think about it. Think about it. How many things have you talked yourself out of before you ever did it because you assumed? You said, I'll never be able to do this, so there's no need in calling. There's no need in trying. There's no need in me doing this. I'm not going to do that because they're just probably going to say this and they're probably going to say this. And it feels really comforting to us, which is why it's an evasive enemy. Because we'll say, you know what? That probably was wise of me to do when really it was probably the most stupid thing ever because you could have been out there walking on water. 
Instead, you stuck in a boat with a bunch of scared folk. Check it out. What would have happened even if he wasn't able to walk on water? He would have swam to Jesus. It was already rocking and shaking and shaking and rocking, so it was already kind of wet. You're missing it. You're so afraid of what could be that you won't even ask or won't even try because assumptions have been robbing you. But today, I declare you will press past assumptions to get to the ask, A-S-K. You'll press past assumptions and you'll try anyhow. Assumptions have stolen more from you than failure has. Some of my greatest accomplishments and achievements came on the other side of oops. I just didn't assume, so I tried it and I won. What is it that assumptions are keeping you from asking and keeping you from trying? So then you lose before you ever get started. And you didn't know you were losing because you were attracted to comfort. Okay, all right, okay. Can we fist for the last one? 11 y'all still here? You sure you're still here? Now, is this ready? Is this obedient? All right. Okay. It's, oh, oh, yep. So let's go fishing. Let's go hunting. What's the first enemy all of our individual enemies fall in? Category? Average. What's the second one? Assumptions. How many of that assumptions kind of really got you? Because he's like, I just be, thank you for the five honest people in the church. No, seriously. How many people you be like, I do. I assume a lot. I just... I reckon and figure and think to myself, you'll think yourself out of something that all you had to do was ask and then it would have been a yes. You'll talk yourself out of a raise when all they want to know is if you're going to ask for one. You'll talk yourself out of something. No, that probably won't happen. I'm not going to. Well, I just figured. Well, you can't do no figuring if you ain't got the right figures. But I'm adding it up. Well, you need it. You ain't got the right figures. Let's go fishing. Let's go hunting. What's the last one? Oh, see, that's how it'll get you. You think you got it. And then all of a sudden, it'll just, it'll just evade you. Oh, got it. What's the last section here? The asinine. Somebody say the asinine. What's the first category? Second category? Third category. Now watch this. Asinine. I love this particular word. Watch this. Asinine means stupid or foolish. And stupid stuff and foolish stuff is designed to rob you of productivity. That's why Deuteronomy 22.10 says, Thou shalt not plow with an ox. You read it. Now, in English, an ass is a metaphor for a stupid person, place, thing, or idea. And the Bible forbids us to plow with an ass. That means to be together with, to plan with, to build with, to conspire, to conceal a matter that should be discussed with, to choose to quit with, to be alone with, and to ignore leadership's direction with. That's what it means by definition in Hebrew. The Bible says we have no business being together with, planning with, building with, conspiring with, choosing to quit with. Have you ever noticed how you were good until somebody that's a quitter came in your circle and all of a sudden now quitting seemed like an action? Seems like an option. You were good until you got around a quitter. You're like, hmm, I guess I could quit. Now, the other day, you were a gladiator. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about quitting. Why? Because you got around a quitter. So now, watch this. Here you are, an ox, but you're now yoked up with an ass. I'm not cussing. This is scripture. Somebody said this is scripture. That's why we have Harvest Kids. It's quiet, church. Now, watch this. I need, I need to get this. Ox were normally yoked together with other ox. 
But sometimes they yoked the oxen with a donkey, which served a different purpose in culture. The donkey would always buck and cause problems and cause unnecessary delay that opposed an ox to get things done well. And because the ox would always have to make up for the lack of the ass, it eventually tired the ox because something present doesn't mean something is purposeful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The asinine. What's stupid or foolish that's existed in our lives? Let's be honest. We've all made some stupid things, done some stupid things, all done some foolish things. Okay? To be a fool means to live as if there is no God, which means we made a decision as if we wouldn't have to answer for it. We made a decision as if there was no consequence for it. You ever just said to yourself, YOLO, and then later on you were like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. You ever been like, oh, you only live once. I'm just going to do this. And then after you did it, you were like, oh, my God. Bishop, I just need a breakthrough in my life. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have needed a breakthrough because you wouldn't have had a breakdown had you just stopped doing all that ass stuff. I ain't cussing. This is the Bible. Average assumptions and the asinine. What, what's the biggest trait of, of an ass? Scripturally speaking. No, I got to clarify. This is Denver. If I don't clarify, I'll get an email and I'll email back. So just say, consistently inconsistent. Ooh, Bishop, I've been faithful all four hours today. Sunday afternoon. I just don't know anymore. I don't think it works. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, uh, Monday morning. Oh, command your week prayer was great. Who praise him. You get a little challenge Monday afternoon. I don't think this prayer thing works. I don't think any of it works. I just, how do we know, like, God is real? Like, how do we know the Bible is real? The same Bible that got you through the hell last year is the same real Bible and real God that's given you through the day. But when you're thinking like an ass, start bucking. Start bucking. So now you can't make any real progress because you're bucking. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to stop bucking. No, but watch this, watch this. But here's the other thing when we look at it. The Bible says we shouldn't plow with an ass. Say, I'm an ox. That means you get stuff done. That means you're a gladiator. That, that, aren't you an ox? Moses thought this was such a big deal. He makes it a commandment. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass. And he didn't just mean it from an agricultural standpoint. He meant it from a life standpoint. So watch this, plow. Be yoked, yoke. Yoke was a connection. A connection is a relationship or friendship. So watch this. He says, you shouldn't be an ox and be friends with ass. Bishop, where are you going with this? A lot of the times the enemies we face are because we miscategorize the relationships in our lives. Some are transactional, some are relational. And whenever you confuse the two, you get disappointed. Okay, Bishop, what do you mean? Some folks come into your life for what they can get. And when transactions over, they disappear. You ever had somebody that they were around you every day, called you four, ten, you know, fifty, eleven times, all this, all day, every day, and then all of a sudden, after you gave something, whatever that something may have been, whatever it may have been, whatever it may have been, whatever it may have been, then all of a sudden you're like, hmm, what happened to so and so? You text, and you used to get a text right away. Now, about two weeks later, oh, I've been so busy. Well, you weren't this busy until the transaction was completed. It's quiet in the church. Let me just go on and move through here. So when you're transactional, once you're transactional, think about it. When you go to the bank, 
You don't just kind of, you know, do your transaction and then just say, well, hey, everybody, what's going on? And you need to leave. We're <laughs> trying to cash out and balance. We, we need you to leave. Why? Because the transaction's over. So some people, once they get what they want or once they decide that they can't get what they want, they disappear. Because you thought you were building a relationship. They were there for a transaction. How many friends that you, did you call friends that watch this? Is like, and you would say, oh, I'm just being a good Christian in my heart, and I'm just helping and 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 doing 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 and doing. And then the one time you said no, what happened to you? Well, I just, you know. No, I don't, actually. Can you explain it? I'd like an explanation. The reality is the Bible says we shouldn't plow. We shouldn't be in relationship with ox and ass. Why? Because it's an enemy that evades us. Because you're an ox, but you'll start picking up ass tendencies. And I'm getting ready to close. You like being on time. They don't. You like being excellent. They don't. You like being the best of the best. They don't. So all of a sudden now you're picking up tendencies of something that's lower than you. What are those three categories of individual enemies? One, two, three. All of your individual enemies fall in one of those three categories. All of them. It's either your desire to be average when you should excel. We all face that sometimes. You ever woke up one day and just said, I'm doing nothing today. Then assumptions. Assumptions rob us of more than our failures do. So you lost a little bit with the failure, but you lost more with the assumption. And finally, the asinine. Say, I'm an ox. Look at your life right now. Because when I started talking about ox and ass, we preached about it a lot last year. I'd be preaching about anything and bring that verse up. Like I'd be preaching about the Hebrew feast and bring up this verse. <laughs> We preach about anything. I preach about eating and be like this verse. You know, get you some ox food, not ass food. You know. <laughs> I work this verse in the vir- virtually every message I ask you somewhere. I want to ask you something. Look around your life right now. There's some oxes. This is about I know because they bring strength to you. But then there's also watch this. Then there's also there's also some asses. And the reality is, watch this. You can't allow yourself to be distracted by random sounds that happen in your life. Because then you'll start doing asinine things. Rather than focusing on what's in front of you, you'll start looking around. And I'm closing right here, and that's how Peter started to sink. Peter started to sink because he stopped focusing on what was in front of him, and he started looking around at the hell going on around him. But you, I speak of him to your life, that from this day forward, you're going to catch and you're going to conquer every individual enemy, whether it's average, whether it's an assumption, or whether it's the asinine. And if you believe it, give God praise all in this place. Today, I'm out of time. Today, if you're in this worship experience and you never give your life to Jesus Christ. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. 
They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.